felt like I was supposed to tell you today. So, good morning. Good. You expectant? You excited? Do you think that maybe your life will change this morning? Well, if you're hearing the word and it's planting seeds in you, that's going to change the harvest in your life. So yeah, your life's changing this morning. Amen? And then you couple with that impartation and the power of God that's being released, your life is changing right now as we speak. And so a couple of things, uh, we have our men's group on Monday nights, and that has been really, really good. It's kind of been growing, and, and men have been being blessed. And it's been, it's been fun recently. I've really enjoyed watching it. Uh, Sherman Sherman taught this week or led kind of led that and uh, we just kind of batted some stuff around and it was cool so anyway I any men seven o'clock at Blue Bay and then there's going to be a period in your life I hope (laughs) I hope that um, you will look back and go man all this stuff that I have learned about God it has changed me for the better And maybe you've already experienced some of those moments, but I know that if you continue pressing in him, this will happen again. And you'll look back and you'll say, man, this part that I learned and this part and this thing that I learned about the character and nature of God and now I look at him totally different in a godly way and my life is so much better and my life is overflowing into other people's lives. And generally what comes along with that is, gosh, I wish I had done that 10 years earlier, because if I would have known that it was this awesome, I wish I would have done it sooner, right? Like, I wish that I would have applied some things in my life as a teenager instead of waiting to be an adult, right? And even as an adult, I mean, I really got on fire for God around 25 to 30. I wish I'd have done that earlier than that. Well, what if I could take that, because the things of God are so good, what if I could take that and, and we could multiply it, and you could reach that point quicker. Would that be cool? Because yeah. if you reach that point quicker, what's happening? Growing. You're growing. You're moving into those things faster. You're actually receiving the blessings of God faster, right? Well, guess what? All right, I set you up. I'm sorry. Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., we have a discipleship class we've been doing for quite some time. And I'm telling you, it is one of the best things that we have going. Wednesday night, we have the maturity meeting. So if you just come on Sunday morning at 11 a.m., you can multiply that time three times just by being at the services. Now, I'm not telling you that you got to be here. I'm not making it a requirement. I'm not telling you anything like that. I'm just telling you. If you think that maybe possibly getting to the things of God quicker would benefit you, here's a way to do it. And it's already established and available. And on Sunday morning, all it is is one hour earlier. So that's all it is. And you can multiply the speed at which you move into revelation and move into the things of God. And this is what we see as leadership. The people that are attending the 10 a.m. services, the people that are attending on Wednesday night, they're, because it's not just simple addition when you go after God like that. It is exponential multiplication. Because it's not, is what are you doing? You are constantly renewing your mind. So I just wanted to show you that little logical point and help you out. Because I want to see you at those good points in God quicker and sooner rather than later. Why? Because I know. 
that you're going to be blessed because of it. So I would just encourage you to do that. So we have, um, uh, you know, every Sunday we pray for another, another body of Christ because we know that we are not the only body. And we're not the best. We're a part of the best. Amen? That's who we are. And so this particular Sunday, we actually had a request. There's a church in Georgia, uh, Thomaston, Georgia, and it's called New Hope Baptist. We've had a request to pray for them and particularly also pray for their pastor because he's been going through some surgeries and stuff like that that have been pretty serious and pretty intense. And his name, uh, if you look at your hand, handout, it says Pastor Mike Inglist, and that would be an error. It is English, <laughs> all right? And uh, so will you join with me today, and let's lift up this church. Do we have to know them? No. Are they a part of us? Oh, yeah, this is awesome. Now, are, if you were in this position, and you were the one going through surgery, you were the one who wanted prayer for your church, how would you pray for you? Would you get serious about it? Would you get an expectation about it? Would you get in faith for it? Then let's pray for them the way that we would want it done for us. So Lord, right now, we just lift up new hope. We thank you, Father, for it. We just lift them up in Jesus' name. We lift up Pastor Mike English. Lord, may your power and your glory take up residence right now in his body. Life be. Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus. And our testimony is this, that life is in him. Lord, we pray for wisdom. We pray for health. You sent your word and healed them. Lord, we send your word as a testimony that we are in agreement with health. Lord, may your will be done in his body as it is in heaven where there is no lack. Lord, we pray for New Hope Baptist that their leadership would move in wisdom and in power and in glory, that revelation would be poured out, that their hearts would burn with passion for you, that the members would go all in for you, that to next year this time they would look totally different simply because they revved up their desire for you. Lord, the things that you can do in those hearts will be amazing and beautiful. Lord, send them the people that they need. Send them the people that are supposed to be there. And Lord, we just pray that every veil of deception on the people, the leadership, anything, would be dissolved so that they can operate in the purity of who you've called them to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, uh, is anybody enjoying the all-in series? Yeah, amen. You getting something out of it? Yeah, yeah me too, me too. It's been, I, I didn't think it was a series. I thought it was just one message. But uh, it turned into, this is what God wants. And, and what's interesting, just think back about this year. Uh, think about we started with Be the Light. You know, this is a very active message. This is something that we are to do and to take. You know, be the light. Stop, stop talking about being the light and actually let's get down to it and be it. Amen. Right? We talked about cloudy with the chance of loaves and fishes where the power of God was not all in Jesus' hands. It was released in the hands of the disciples. When they took what they had, in other words, it came back down to action on the disciples' part. 
And you look at almost all the messages, the one we're in right now on Wednesday nights on humility and grace, it shows us how to move into the greater grace of God by being humble. This comes back to us. God is really challenging us and invoking us to let's get real with this thing. And talking about being all in. We're talking about all in with God. The next series that we're getting ready to do is going to be on this. How can you really change the people around you? How can you have an effect and not just talk about it for all of your life? What can you actually do? Have you ever wanted to pray for a family member, but it actually it just seemed like it wasn't working? Well, there's some biblical things that we should do, but most of the time we hadn't been doing those things. Have you ever wanted to change a community or a household and it's just not happening? Well, it comes back to there's some biblical things that we can do and that's what we're going to be talking about. So all of this, this whole year has been talking about just kind of where the rubber meets the road. We're, we're, not, we're not talking about theory anymore. These are very uh, real, very genuine things. And I believe very uh, precious to the heart of God. And I believe that a lot of Christians almost never touch it. And I also believe that the devil recognizes it heavily. And he'll try to fight it because you start talking about these kind of things. Ooh, he doesn't like it. Why? Because you're talking about things that actually make a difference. And how many people, when you're standing in front of the Lord on Judgment Day, want to have said, I made a difference for you? But you see, that difference doesn't get made while you're standing in front of him. That difference gets made right here today. So, we're going to be talking next week. Today we're talking about what does an all-in life produce why, and why do we need it. Next week we're going to be talking about exactly how do we go all-in. What do we do? What's interesting is I see this thing just completely dovetailing with the next one that talks about how do we have an influence on the people around us. How do we have an influence on Albemarle? How do we have an influence on Stanley County? How do we have an influence at our job? How do we actually get things to change? How do we actually change things? All of this stuff has just gone like this. If you go back through the series from the beginning of this year up to now, you'll just see that all of this stuff goes right together. And you, I didn't know it, and I didn't have it all planned out like this, but you can go back and see just how God had his hand on these messages from the beginning of the year till now. The question is, will you accept what he's telling you, take responsibility for it, and make a difference? Yeah. So let's turn to Revelation chapter 3. And verse 15. And it says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. And this is Jesus, this is red letters. He says, I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You know, I don't think any of us are going to want to get to heaven and, and in the eyes of Christ be considered vomit. <laughs> I don't think any of us are going to be that, want to be that. But you know what? If we're not making a difference and we're not all in, 
That's what we are. And that's kind of a harsh reality. But at the same time, isn't it good that you are given an alarm by Christ to wake up and not be that? Now, if we're cold, that means we're completely against God and we don't want to be there either. We want to be on fire for Him. We want to be completely hot for Him. But that requires something of you. You don't just become hot for God because you go to church on Sunday. You don't become hot for God just because you accepted Jesus as your Lord. You become hot for God because you actually make Him your Lord and you allow Him. Let me put it this way. You live for Him, not for yourself. This is what all in is. So in 1 Corinthians 3.23, this is one of the biggest problems that people have, and the world really teaches against this verse. But 1 Corinthians 3.23 says, says this. It says, and you belong to Christ. In other words, a lot of people think that they and their stuff and their time is theirs. But when you understand who you are in Christ, and you understand how this thing plays out, he's given you the choice to do with the things that he's given you for a short period of time, to steward them well, to handle them well. He's given you the choice on what you will do with them. But we need to understand that according to the eyes of God, he sees it like this. You're mine. You've been bought and paid for with a price. And even if you don't know him yet, this is not a bad thing because when you become his, you become his. It's like my kids. If I'm blessed and I'm doing good and my kids are my kids, then everything I have is theirs. This is a great place to be. In other words, it's kind of like creator of the universe. He owns all the planets. He, I mean, he created them. He can do whatever he wants to. I'm in good shape. So being his is a good thing. But it also comes, there's some specific uh, submission and authority that comes along with that. And there's a, I can look at it from this life that I have and these things that I have are mine. And I'll decide what I do with them. And I'm working for me. And I, this is my time. Or I can look at it and say, this is God's time. I can say, look, I have this talent and ability. It's called 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And the ability that God has given me. And I can either say, look at me. Or I can say, this is God's. Now, if I do look at me, well, all that comes to an end in about a hundred years. You know, whenever I leave this earth, that thing is completely put away. But if I learn how to sow this life as a seed, now that thing can multiply for eternity. So I can either have, you know, 120 years lifespan on earth, or I can have 120 million years is the beginning of what I did because I planted myself as a seed, my time as a seed, my abilities as a seed. Because you put a seed in the ground, all of a sudden you got multiplication. 
And not only multiplication, but the Lord says this. He says, I multiply the seed. In other words, when I plant myself and my abilities and the things that I do into the hands and into the soil of the love of God, it's like he multiplies what I'm doing. He multiplies my abilities. And I become more than just one seed. I become multiplied seed. This is scripture. You know, it's interesting if we look at this, here's, here's what it says, and he gives us this example. You belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. In other words, if you are to operate in Christ-like manner, then you're going to give yourself to Christ like Christ gave himself to the Father. Yeah. Well, how did Christ give himself to the Father? He said, I'm willing to step down and be a nobody on the earth so I can plant myself and change eternity. Everything I have is not mine. I don't do anything but what I see the Father doing. I don't say anything but what I hear the Father say. In other words, every decision, every action, every choice he had, he gave it to God. So if Christ is God's, if Christ is the Father's, and we, he is our pattern, and we are Christ, then when we give ourselves to Christ, we ought to be saying, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? Yeah. I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing it for you. It's like on um, uh, Friday. Friday is generally my day off, and I, that's my Sabbath. That's the day that I take to uh, try and rest because Sunday is, is a work day for me. So I treat Friday as my Sabbath. And then on Friday, guess what? I get a phone call. Somebody that's a friend of mine wants to meet, and so I go meet them for lunch. And generally, I don't try to do that. I try to keep it completely, you know, free and open. But as I sought the Holy Spirit, there's a scripture that says if you had a, you know, basically had a donkey in a ditch on the Sabbath, wouldn't you get him out, right? Yeah. So I had somebody that was a friend. They needed that. The Holy Spirit said, yeah, I want you to go. I want you to go sit with them, have time with them, and talk with them. Well, in the process of getting ready for, to do that, I get another phone call. And somebody else wants to meet after that. So now here's my, in, in the world's eyes, here's my day. Leave me alone. And yet the Holy Spirit is lining up meetings. Because there's some things that needed to come out of a ditch in people's lives. And my job is not to fuss and complain over my day but this life is yours yeah. I don't control that it's a simple question hey what do you want you want me to do this or you want me to wait another day I want you to go to these okay that's it and there's no uh, well I would have been free I would have had more time if God wouldn't have told me to go there there's no bad attitudes like that it's, it's great it was awesome it was good. Was I more tired after that? Yes. Yes. But who cares? This is not mine. My time. Why are we doing the things that we do? If the answer is not God, then as a Christian, you're off. 
Okay, Galatians 5.24. <laughs> now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. In other words, it's dead. Let's say that, you know, we had a dead body up here. I don't need a, a, a real good example of this, Stephen. Thank you. You can, but he could if we needed it. Thank you for being willing and available, Stephen, even though you didn't know you were going to be. Let's say we had a dead body. I mean, if I kicked that dead body, if I kicked it, I punched it, you know, I did the boom, you know, like this to the dead body, at what point is he going to get up and fuss? He's not. Why? He's dead. So if you've crucified the flesh and its passions and its desires, a symptom that it's still alive in you is the fussing that it gives to you. In other words, if it's fussing, if it's fussing at you, and yelling, and acting like a spoiled little brat kid, and pointing the finger at everything else. Well, you've done so much already this month, and, 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 and I never get to do anything. Your flesh is firmly alive, <laughs> and is not crucified. And it's good to see that, because at least now you know what's causing you the problems. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. But you do need to deal with it. And you need to crucify it. This is all in. In other words, well, don't I get to do some things for myself sometime? Well, who's that talking? <laughs> is that the spirit man or is that the flesh? That's the flesh. That's the flesh. And so you can recognize, well, Brian, you're just asking too much. No, I'm not asking too much. Christ is asking, but it's not too much. Right. He's asking you what you are capable of. Yeah. Matter of fact, he's not asking you to do something that he hasn't done before. Right. He's asking you to copy what he's already done. Yeah. This is all in. And what's interesting is, and you watch this, it says, they've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And I think it's Mark 4, I believe it is, in the parable of the sower. Maybe it's Luke 4. And uh, it talks about that the cares of the world rise up and choke the seed of the word. In other words, it chokes the fruit out of your life. And what are these particular ones that, that choke it? What is the one that deceives you out of the truth, out of the freedom that God has for you? The cares of the world. You see, when somebody is all in and they've crucified the flesh with its passion and desires, somebody who hasn't crucified the flesh, who hasn't crucified those passions and desires of the flesh, they are, they are still deceived in some areas because the things of the flesh will rise up and choke and deceive what's there. And so somebody who's all in, somebody who's not all in, I'm not talking about the world, I'm talking about a Christian. A Christian that's not all in can look at a Christian who is all in and go, that's just weird. He's, he's too fanatical. And they don't even come close to understanding it because the cares of the world have deceived that. Well, he's always asking me to do stuff. 
Well, no, not really. I'm just kind of pointing you to what Christ asked you to do, which he was well aware of what you were capable of and what you weren't. Well, he's always putting pressure on me. No, actually, I'm setting you, the spirit man, free. If there's pressure being applied, it's to your flesh. The problem is your flesh is screaming because it ain't dead. That's what you're feeling. That's what you're sensing. Well, that ought to be eye-opening. Praise God. All those hallelujahs are awesome. <laughs> Amen. Luke 9, 18. It is. Amen. And it happened that while Jesus was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he questioned them, saying, Who do the people say that I am? They answered and said, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and, and, but others that one of the prophets of old has risen again. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, The Christ of God, or the anointed one of God. Or the anointing of God. But he warned them and instructed them not to tell anyone, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised up on the third day. And he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. He must. And what's interesting here is when he started talking about the Son of Man being crucified, this is the point at which Peter started to rebuke him and said, you ain't dying. And that's when Jesus turned to him and said, get behind me, Satan. And basically, he tells them that the lust, the aliveness of your flesh is talking. And he says, that was the devil. Trying to protect Christ. That's a great thing. I mean, it's a... It's a really good thing. In the world's logic. Keeping the flesh alive and I just want to do what I want to do is a great thing. To the flesh man. But to God, it's not great at all. It's not saying, you see, Jesus died once for all time. It's not saying that he's expecting you to be a martyr, but he is expecting you to live a martyred life. Yeah. And even if he calls for that and says, hey, lay it down completely, come be with me for my sake, then all of a sudden you don't have, the flesh doesn't have a voice anymore, and you're like, that's fine. He tasted death so that we wouldn't have to. I'm getting ready to be with the joy of the Lord. But see, we got so many people in America, they're so afraid of death. They're so afraid of everything else. The question starts to become, are you actually even Christian? They're not willing to take public persecution for him. They're not willing to talk Jesus in front of anybody because they're afraid of what somebody might think about them. My goodness, that's the flesh yelling and screaming, and you're allowing it. He says, if anyone wishes to come after me, in verse 23, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. You see, what the flesh is trying to do is it's trying to stay alive. 
And it yells and screams and tells you how much pressure you're under. And you just can't do this. I just can't do it. It's too much, Pastor. It's trying to stay alive. And God's saying, kill it. The flesh man. The desires. The passions of that corrupted flesh. Kill them. And the flesh is doing everything. Fighting to stay alive. And he'll he'll point the finger at anybody. That will help him stay alive. He'll point at, all right, now I know y'all have never done this. You've never gotten called out on something or been wrong about anything. I realize that. But I have been before. And I know in those moments, you may not have ever felt this, but I know in those moments, it's like, well, you're wrong. And I'm like, I'm not wrong. They're wrong. Well, no, they're not actually wrong. Well, then it's them. They're wrong, right? But anything, but don't be looking at me. That's the flesh. Humility says, it's a pretty good chance it was me wrong, so I'm willing to be it. And I'm willing to change because of it. But see, a lot of times we try to save what we consider what is life. What the world has taught us is life in abundance, which is not not even close to the life in abundance that Christ talks about. Christ is talking about a life in abundance that will last for eternity, and it has blessings that are at the that are waiting for you to get in faith to receive them. So much that they'll never cease, never end. You'll never have any lack at all. But see, the world's life is uh, basically if you can have an inheritance. Or a, or a job, or a big house, and all that stuff's going to crumble and fall away. But Christ's life is eternal. He says, you try to save that, you try to work for that, you try to go after that. How many of you have ever said at one point, Christ was asking you to do something, and you were willing to give it away, and the Lord brought you provision over and above what you thought? If you've ever experienced that, Because he does it all the time. It's a part of who he is. He says, For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I say to you truthfully, there are some of those standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Now they go on from there. He's talking about seeing the glory of God. And if you will be willing to lay down your fleshly life, you can put on another one. You might not can see it with your eyes right away, but it is glorious. Well, they go right from this story into the story on the Mount of Transfiguration where they saw the kingdom come in his glory and Jesus shone like the sun and the disciples that were there got to see there's a lot more going on than what we were thinking. There's a lot more glory that's waiting on us. There's a reign of God that's veiled during this period of time. But if you will look in scriptures and not be ashamed of his words, but will believe them, you can see it. 
But a lot of times, here's what's happening is somebody decides that they're going to step out with God. But when they decide, they'll have somebody else that's a friend that's like, that's crazy. And then they'll go, oh, yeah, that is crazy. And what there are is they're ashamed to go all in because the world has tried to shame them and shame their flesh. And because the flesh isn't crucified, that flesh to them has a voice. And now all of a sudden they try to save that face, save that life, and they don't get to walk in the fullness that God has for them. Yeah. Roger, I've been picking on you, and you're going to be good today. So will you go stand by that door, and, and I need, uh, I need a, a couple other folks. Come on, J.D., and anybody else. Two, a couple more folks. Anybody. This is a good position. Amen. That's good. Come on and stand over here. Awesome. All right, so let's say that y'all are standing in life and just kind of semicircle here with me. Y'all are standing in life, all right? And let's say, you know, the president of the United States, he doesn't make that much. So let's say that there was <laughs> there was a, a sheik that, you know, his family doesn't make just millions, but he makes billions, all right? So he's doing all right. Now let's say, and Roger's that sheep. Hey, not sheep. <laughs> Come here. Come here. And let's say, let's say that he comes in. Now he is wealthy. It's hard to count how much wealth he has. And he walks up to you, and he says to you, each of you, and says... What do you want? What's the matter for you? Say, what do you want? What do you want? What can I give you? What can I give you? Now, right there in that moment, here's what's going on. How many of, uh, and this is okay. I'm going to tell you in this moment, if I heard that question, now, I've trained myself to put down my initial thoughts but my initial thoughts still, for a split second, are going to go, get out of debt, pay off everything, have something, you know, let, let's, you're right. That initial moment is that, right? What are some of the things that you would do with that kind of question? And don't get holy on me. I want to know what you thought of first. He said, ask Barrett. Amen. Amen. Is this on? Hello, hello. That's not on. He said a villa in northern Italy. Hey, I like that. Yeah. Fire truck for the fire department. Free health care and free education for all Americans. Health care and education for all Americans. Amen. So now here's the thing. It's quite a question. And when you're talking to a man that can bring it all, I mean, in other words, does life change? With that question. Life changes, right? With a person with that kind of resources that sincerely is asking you a question, life changes. How many of y'all would like that question? Amen. And we, one honest person. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Everybody's like, I don't know. He might be tricking us some more. I'm not trying to trick. All right, thank you. Thank you very much.
See, when somebody is all in for the Lord, what happens is they stop consulting themselves and they start consulting God. They start, stop thinking about themselves and they start thinking about the things of God. That's an all-in person. And anything contrary to that shows you that there's a piece of that flesh that's just not dead yet. And I can tell you, man, somebody asked me that question. My brain does not automatically go to, Oh, glory, God. You know, what do you want? My brain doesn't go there right. Well, what does that show you? I still have a peace. I have some renewing of the mind that needs to go there. Because it's one thing to talk about it here in theory on Sunday morning. It's another thing for God who owns everything to show up in your bedroom while you're sleeping at night and say, what do you want? But that's exactly what he did with Solomon. In 1 Kings chapter 3. It's interesting. He says, now Solomon, uh, 1 Kings 3 verse 3. Now Solomon loved the Lord and he was walking in the statutes of his father David. Except he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. So he still had some stuff to work on. The king went, listen to this, the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there for that was the great high place and Solomon offered, he brought an offering to God, a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. And when we're talking about burnt offerings, we're not talking about doves. We're talking about cattle. In other words, they made an offering. I mean, a thousand cattle would not fit in this room. This, to me, is very, um, it's an example of somebody being all in. Because he could have just brought one. And in his heart. But he was saying, I'm bringing you it all. I'm all in with you, Lord. There's a thousand of them. I mean, five hundred's a lot. A hundred would be a lot, Right? That'd be a big offering. Anybody know what a cow sells for today? How much is a full size? Twelve to fifteen hundred. So a thousand would be twelve hundred. That's one point two million dollars, right? Is that math correct? Yes. Thank you. One point two million dollar offering that he brought to the Lord. Now this is not like. Somebody gets to use it afterwards. It's done. Yeah. Now, a hundred would be, I mean, a hundred and twenty thousand is pretty big, right? I mean, that's pretty big offering. Yeah. A hundred of them. He brings a thousand. When you bring yourself to the altar of God, and you don't just bring $1.2 million, but you bring the full potential of your life, yeah. and you say, I'm all in. Because that's what you're doing when you go all in. You're bringing the offering of yourself and saying, you, Father, in my worship, because offering is a worship. It's, it's not, it's, it really has so little to do with monetary. It's got to do with your heart. And offering, it's worship. Right. And you're coming to the Lord and you're saying, Lord, everything that I am is worth everything that you are. Your decisions 
are worth more than my decisions. And I give them freely and lovingly to you. It's recognizing the character of God and saying, you're worth it. This is an all-in type of deal. And when you go all-in with your life, you are making an offer. And you know what? God offers this kind of deal to you too. You just don't realize it. Immediately, he starts giving you his wisdom and his insight. See, an all-in person, they stop thinking about the flesh because it's crucified. And they start being able to access the things and the wisdom of heaven. The things and the resources of God. Because an an all-in mentality is not deceived by the cares of the world. It's not entangled and, and wrapped up in that. All of a sudden, this person can see things clearly because they've given over the fleshly thoughts and now they can think like God thinks. So when you're talking about all in, everybody sees the front end of that that says, this is going to cost me everything. And that's what the flesh says. You know the flesh has already got an attitude. Anyway, so it's going to cost me everything. But they don't see the other side of it that says, it's going to gain me everything. And not only me, it's going to gain God everything that I can possibly give him. See, here's the problem. When they are asked the question to go all in, they're so many times, me included, thinking about what it will do for me instead of instantly having a mind renewed. This is where we all need work to have our mind renewed to this. Where instantly our thoughts become, what do you want? What do you want? In Gibeon, the Lord, verse 5, appeared to Solomon in a dream at night, and God said, Ask what you wish me to give you. Good gracious, what a question. From the creator of the universe. He's saying, ask it. Name it. Fill in the blank. From the creator of the universe. Exponential multiplication over the sheik. I mean, Roger, you were good and all, but you ain't going to measure up to God. Fill in the blank. How many people want to be in that position? Amen. Same honest person. Amen. (laughs) I want to be in that position. Why? Because in that position, what can I do? I can change. Many, many, many things. For God. I can advance the kingdom. Like I could have never done otherwise. And along the way. There's blessings in there as well. And you, you know. Here's what happens when somebody does that. Solomon said. You have shown great loving kindness. To your servant David my father. According as he walked. Before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you. And you have reserved for him this great loving kindness. That you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. Yet I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Your servant is in the midst of your people. Now this is the king raised up in the palace that has been taught things... As 
from a little child how to rule and to reign. This is not a dumb person. But here's a big key to all in idness. Is the humility that says, compared to you, I don't know anything. Compared to you, God, I'm a child. See, that's the problem. A lot of us think we know something. But compared to you, I'm a child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Your servant is in the midst of your people, which you have chosen A great people are too many to be numbered or counted. You see what he's recognizing here? He's recognizing that that the people in Israel, the people were not his. He's recognizing this is an opportunity. This is a blessing for me to be called to lead your people. Your people? What a blessing and an honor to be in this position. He wasn't looking at it like so many other kings did when they were like, these people needed me. They weren't looking at that. See this, and when God asks you to go all in, it's an honor. Because there's people, God's people in the world that need what an all in person can bring. This is humility. Your servant is in the midst of your people, which you have chosen, a great people, which are too many to be numbered or counted. So give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? It was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. God said to him, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked for yourself long life, nor have you asked riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but you but have asked for yourself discernment to understand justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart so that there has been no one like you before you nor shall one like you arise after you. I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there will not be any among the kings like you in all your days. If you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and commandments, as your father David walked, then I will prolong your days. So God basically said, I'm going to give you wisdom. And I'm going to give you a wisdom like this world has never seen. But not only that, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your days long. In other words, when we actually set our heart on the things of God, not just going, well, if I give him this answer, he's going to give this too. Not thinking that way, but thinking, what actually do you want, Lord? Let me give you all of me. Let me give you all of my decisions. Then that person will receive not only that, but much, much more. Because he will empower that person with an all-in heart. He will empower that person to be strengthened with all might to perform everything that God has asked him to do. But there's always, always overflow in the kingdom of God. 
There's always, the, the overflow is the way of God. But we have to get to the point where we say, you're asking me something? What do you want? What do you want? And we got to hear the flesh because it's always going to be with you. If you think it's going to go away while you're on this earth, you're deceiving yourself. It's always going to be there. It's always going to be whispering, trying to grow back that sinful, corrupted life of the flesh. It's always going to be trying to come back. A lot of times people will overcome things and then they go down the road and that thing comes back up and they didn't put it down immediately. They kind of like, oh, I'm over that. I've conquered it before. And before they know it, that thing's got a hold of them, dragging them down. It's always going to try to come back. That's its nature. But as soon as we hear it, we put it down and we say the same thing that Jesus did. I don't want to do anything but what you're, you've told me to do. Yeah. I don't want to say anything but what you've said. And all of a sudden we can step into a life that moves in the way of God, which is that overflow. And I believe it, 2 Corinthians 9.8 says that in that, that overflow, we will overflow into other people. This is the plan and the order of God. But you don't move into that stuff without first deciding, I'm not living for me. I'm living for Christ. Amen. Everything I do, every decision is for Him. Amen. All of us have made decisions that were not based on God. All of us, probably this morning. But the thing is that we continue to hand those things over to Him. The Holy Spirit will bring them up. He will show them to you. At first, when you first start this process, it's kind of like, Holy Spirit, are you ever going to stop showing me stuff? But as you go forward and you, and you go on, it becomes easier and easier because you've done it before. You've put down the flesh. You've put down the flesh. And it gets easier and easier. And it gets further between the things that He brings up. At the beginning, you got a lot of stuff because the world has taught you very well how to listen to an alive flesh. Taught you very, very little about how to crucify it. But if we'll get good at crucifying it and not listening to it, all of a sudden we can step into the things of God. Let's just stand. Just give me a second as I just seek the Lord here and just see what He wants to do. You know, when you start recognizing these things, one of the first things that happens, and this is by the Holy Spirit, and this is beautiful, is that your spirit feels the need to repent. And I just want to open up the altar. And just, the altar is like this carpet here. And uh, so, I just want to open up the carpet. <laughs> and just say, if you need to repent, and you need to tell God some things, let's just leave this open. Let's just play some music. We're going to just dismiss. I'm going to pray, and we're going to dismiss. And if you need to hang out, 
hang out. If you need prayer, then, then we'll get prayer. Listen, Barrett and George, will y'all come up here? And Jeff, will you come up here? If you need prayer, these guys can pray with you. If you need to hang out and just talk to the Lord, today's the day. Don't waste time. Don't be the kind of person that, that tries to logic with the flesh and figure out, do I really need to do it? If you feel that leading, it ain't the devil telling you that. <laughs> it's not the devil telling you that you need to repent and tell God, I'm changing and I'm going after you. I'm pretty sure the devil's not going to do that. I've learned a few things in this little walk, and I think that's one. That's the Holy Spirit right now going, I got something for you. I got a question for you. I got a place I want to take you to. Will you be the kind of person that moves yourself, puts down the flesh enough to move yourself to action? Because that's really what we're talking about. We're not talking about theory. We're talking about, are you moving yourself to action for the things of God? So I would encourage you, if you've just got that in the least little bit, and the truth of the matter is, that probably should be every single one of us, honestly. Probably every single one of us has a little piece of our flesh going, I need to do that. Amen. So let's just open this up. Lord, I ask right now. I ask that the cares and the passions of this flesh life would start to fall off. I ask right now, Lord, that your glory would blast away the veils of deception. Lord, I ask right now that every person here in this would be strengthened with all might to take action on the conviction of the Lord. That they would not sit and go, well, I don't need to do that, or maybe it's not today, but they would say, I gotta. I will not be left behind in the things of God. He is worth more than that. This is a moment. The question is, will you take it? So we'll open this up. You can pray. You're free to go. I know some people will need to. But if you need to talk to God, talk to God. If you need prayer, get prayer. Lord, I ask right now that your glory, like you talked about, would be revealed. That the kingdom of God would be revealed in their life. In every way. In Jesus' name. That your glory would be revealed. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yeah, thank you, Father. It's opened up. 